discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Technology companies like to portray artificial intelligence as a precise and powerful tool for good. Kate Crawford, a professor at the University of Southern California and researcher at Microsoft, says that mythology is flawed. She says, quote, It is presented as this ethereal and objective way of making decisions, something that we can plug into everything, from teaching kids to deciding who gets bail. But the name is deceptive. Artificial intelligence is neither artificial nor intelligent. AI is made from vast amounts of natural resources, fuel, and human labor, and it's not intelligent in any kind of human intelligence way. It's not able to discern things without extensive human training, and it has a completely different statistical logic for how meaning is made. Since the very beginning of AI back in 1956, we've made this terrible error, a sort of original sin of the field, to believe that minds are like computers and vice versa. We assume these things are an analog to human intelligence, and nothing could be further from the truth." End quote. Huh. If all that's true, why do we even call it artificial intelligence then? Well, I guess it is clown world, where we call things like CNN and Fox news. We distance ourselves from other people and cut off our own oxygen, and consider these things healthy practices. And of course, we have injectable gene-editing biotechnologies that are now being called vaccines. But maybe all that's a topic for another day. This episode is about artificial intelligence. Or is that artificial quote-unquote intelligence? Or maybe it's the artificial that gets the quotes. Maybe they both get the quotes. So maybe it's quote-unquote artificial quote-unquote intelligence. I'm starting to get confused. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. So that professor, Kate Crawford, has a new book out called Atlas of AI, Power, Politics, and the Planetary Costs of Artificial Intelligence. In the book, she visits a lithium mine, an Amazon warehouse, and a 19th century phrenological skull archive to illustrate the natural resources, human sweat, and bad science underpinning some versions of the technology. The book seems pretty interesting to me, and 
And in a recent interview for Wired, the interviewer brings up how the author traces the roots of emotion recognition software to dubious science funded by the Department of Defense in the 1960s. A recent review of more than 1,000 research papers found no evidence that a person's emotions can be reliably inferred from their face. Crawford said, quote, Emotion detection represents the fantasy that technology will finally answer questions that we have about human nature that are not technical questions at all. This idea that's so contested in the field of psychology made the jump into machine learning because it is a simple theory that fits the tools. Recording people's faces and correlating that to simple, predefined emotional states works with machine learning. If you drop culture and context and that you might change the way you look and feel hundreds of times a day. That also becomes a feedback loop. Because we have emotion detection tools, people say we want to apply it in schools and courtrooms and to catch potential shoplifters. Recently, companies are using the pandemic as a pretext to use emotion recognition on kids in school. This takes us back to the phrenological past, the belief that you can detect character and personality from the face and skull shape. End quote. Wired.com Well, all that being said, it still hasn't stopped researchers from developing Developing artificial intelligence that can detect sarcasm in social media. A news release posted on EurekaAlert says, Computer science researchers at the University of Central Florida have developed a sarcasm detector. Social media has become a dominant form of communication for individuals and for companies looking to market and sell their products and services. Properly understanding and responding to customer feedback on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms is critical for success, but it is incredibly labor-intensive. That's where sentiment analysis comes in. The term refers to the automated process of identifying the emotion, either positive, negative, or neutral, associated with text, while artificial intelligence refers to logical data analysis and response. Sentiment analysis is akin to correctly identifying emotional communication. A UCF team developed a technique that accurately detects sarcasm in social media text. The team's findings were recently published in the journal Entropy. Effectively, the team taught the computer model to find patterns that often indicate sarcasm and combined that with teaching the program to correctly pick out cue words in sequences that were more likely to indicate sarcasm. They taught the model to do this by feeding it large datasets and then checked its accuracy. Quote, the presence of sarcasm in text is the main hindrance in the performance of sentiment analysis, says Assistant Professor of Engineering Ivan Garibay. Sarcasm isn't always easy to identify in conversation, so you can imagine it's pretty challenging for a computer program to do it and do it well. We developed an interpretable deep learning model using multi-head self-attention and gated recurrent units. The multi-head self-attention module aids 
in identifying crucial sarcastic keywords from the input, and the recurrent units learn long-range dependencies between these keywords to better classify the input text." End quote. The team began working on the problem under a DARPA grant that supports the organization's computational simulation of online social behavior program. Brian Kettler, a program manager in DARPA's Information Innovation Office, says, quote, Sarcasm has been a major hurdle to increasing the accuracy of sentiment analysis, especially on social media, since sarcasm relies heavily on vocal tones, facial expressions, and gestures that cannot be represented in text. Recognizing sarcasm in textual online communication is no easy task, as none of these cues are readily available." End quote. This is one of the challenges Garibay's Complex Adaptive Systems Lab, CASL, is studying. CASL is an interdisciplinary research group dedicated to the study of complex phenomena such as the global economy, the global information environment, innovation ecosystems, sustainability, and social and cultural dynamics and evolution. CASL scientists study these problems using data science, network science, complexity science, cognitive science, machine learning, deep learning, social sciences, team cognition, among other approaches. EurekaAlert.org. Whew, that was a lot of science there. And that Complex Adaptive Systems Lab, CASL, sound like they would get along just fine with those Davos types. You know, Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum, or many of the fictional villains portrayed in the James Bond films. But there I go again, digressing from my topic of discussion. I better correct course before I hit a dead end. Which is exactly what may have happened to artificial intelligence research, according to Salon. Or at least according to Thomas Nail, who writes, Philip K. Dick's iconic 1968 sci-fi novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, posed an intriguing question in its title. Would an intelligent robot dream? In the 53 years since publication, artificial intelligence research has matured significantly. And yet, despite Dick being prophetic about technology in other ways, the question posed in the title is not something AI research researchers are that interested in. No one is trying to invent an android that dreams of electric sheep. Why? Mainly, it's that most artificial intelligence researchers and scientists are busy trying to design quote-unquote intelligent software programmed to do specific tasks. There is no time for daydreaming. Or is there? What if reason and logic are not the source of intelligence, but its product? What if the source of intelligence is more akin to dreaming and play? Recent research into the neuroscience of spontaneous fluctuations points in this direction. If true, it would be a paradigm shift in our understanding of human consciousness. It would also mean that just about all artificial intelligence research is heading in the wrong direction. The quest for artificial intelligence grew out of the modern science of computation started by the English mathematician Alan Turing and the Hungarian-American mathematician John Van Neumann 65 years ago. Since then, there have been many approaches to studying artificial intelligence, yet all approaches have one thing in common. They treat intelligence computationally, i.e., like a computer with an input and output of information. Scientists have also tried modeling artificial intelligence on the neural networks of human brains. These artificial neural networks use quote-unquote deep learning techniques and quote-unquote big data to 
approach and occasionally surpass particular human abilities, like playing chess, go, poker, or recognizing faces. But these models also treat the brain like a computer, as do many neuroscientists. But is this the right idea for designing intelligence? The present state of artificial intelligence is limited to what those in the field call quote-unquote narrow AI. Narrow AI excels at accomplishing specific tasks in a closed system where all possibilities are known. It is not creative and typically breaks down when confronted with novel situations. On the other hand, researchers define quote-unquote general AI as the innovative transfer of knowledge from one problem to another. So far, this is what AI has failed to achieve and what many in the field believe to be only an extremely distant possibility. Most AI researchers are even less optimistic about the possibility of a so-called super-intelligent AI that would become more intelligent than humans due to a hypothetical quote-unquote intelligence explosion. Does the brain transmit and receive binary information like a computer? Or do we think of it this way because since antiquity, humans have always used their latest technology as a metaphor for describing our brains? There are certainly some ways that the computer brain metaphor makes sense. We can undoubtedly assign a binary number to a neuron that has either fired 1 or not 0. We can even measure the electrochemical thresholds needed for individual neurons to fire. In theory, a neural map of this information should give us the causal path or quote-unquote code for any given brain event, but experimentally it does not. For starters, this is because neurons do not have fixed voltages for their logic gates, like transistors, that can determine what will activate 1 or not activate 0 in a given neuron. Decades of neuroscience have experimentally proven that neurons can change their function and firing thresholds, unlike transistors or binary information. It's called neuroplasticity, and computers do not have it. Computers also do not have equivalents of chemicals called neuromodulators that flow between neurons and alter their firing activity, efficiency, and connectivity. These brain chemicals allow neurons to affect one another without firing. This violates the binary logic of either-or and means that most brain activity occurs between an activated and non-activated state. Furthermore, the cause and pattern of neuron firing are subject to what neuroscientists call spontaneous fluctuations. These are neuronal activities that occur in the brain even when no external stimulus or mental behavior correlates to them. These fluctuations make up an astounding 95% of brain activity, while conscious thought occupies the remaining 5%. In this way, cognitive fluctuations are like the dark matter or junk DNA of the brain. They make up the biggest part of what's happening but remain mysterious. Neuroscientists have known about these unpredictable fluctuations in electrical brain activity since the 1930s, but have not known what to make of them. Typically, scientists have preferred to focus on brain activity that responds to external stimuli and triggers a mental state or physical behavior. They average out the rest of the quote-unquote noise from the data. However, precisely because of these fluctuations, there is no universal activation level in neurons that we can call one. Neurons are constantly firing, but for the most part, we don't know why. What might be the source 
source of these spontaneous fluctuations. Recent studies in the neuroscience of spontaneous thought suggest that these fluctuations may be related to internal neural mechanics, heart and stomach activity, and tiny physical movements in response to the world. Other experiments, performed at Yale University School of Medicine in 2010 and at Caltech in 2011, have demonstrated that neuronal firing creates electromagnetic fields strong enough to affect and perturb how neighboring neurons may fire. The brain gets even wilder when we zoom in. Since electrochemical thresholds activate neurons, a single proton could, in principle, be the difference that causes a neuron to fire. If a proton spontaneously jumped out of its atomic bonds in what physicists call quantum tunneling, this could cause a cascade of sudden neuron activity. So even at the tiniest measurable level, the neuron's physical structure has a non-binary indeterminacy. Computer transistors have the same problem. The smaller manufacturers make electronics, the smaller the transistor gets, and the more frequently electrons will spontaneously quantum tunnel through the thinner barriers producing errors. This is why computer engineers, just like many neuroscientists, go to great lengths to filter out quote-unquote background noise and stray electrical fields from their binary signal. This is a big difference between computers and brains. For computers, spontaneous fluctuations create errors that crash the system, while for our brains, it's a built-in feature. What if noise is the new signal? What if these anomalous fluctuations are at the heart of human intelligence, creativity, and consciousness? This is precisely what neuroscientists such as George Northoff, Robin Carhart-Harris, and Stanislas Dehaene are showing. They argue that consciousness is an emergent property born from the nested frequencies of synchronized spontaneous fluctuations. Applying this theory, neuroscientists can even tell whether someone is conscious or not just by looking at their brainwaves. AI has been modeling itself on neuroscience for decades, but can it follow this new direction? Stanislas Dehaene, for instance, considers the computer model of intelligence quote-unquote deeply wrong, in part because spontaneous activity is one of the most frequently overlooked features of it. Unlike computers, neurons not only tolerate noise, but even amplify it to help generate novel solutions to complex problems. He says, quote, just as an avalanche is a probabilistic event, not a certain one, the cascade of brain activity that eventually leads to conscious perception is not fully deterministic. The very same stimulus may at times be perceived and at others remain undetected. What makes the difference? Unpredictable fluctuations in neuronal firing sometimes fit with the incoming stimulus and sometimes fight against it, end quote. Accordingly, Dehaene believes that AI would require something akin to synchronized spontaneous fluctuations to be conscious. John Joe McFadden, a professor of molecular genetics at the University of Surrey, speculates that spontaneous electromagnetic fluctuations might even have been an evolutionary advantage to help closely packed neurons generate and synchronize novel adaptive behaviors. He says, quote, without EM field interactions, AI will remain forever dumb and non-conscious, end quote. The German neuroscientist George Northoff argues that a, quote, conscious artificial creature would need to show spatio-temporal mechanisms such as the nestedness and expansion of 
spontaneous fluctuations, end quote. Relatedly, Colin Hales, an artificial intelligence researcher at the University of Melbourne, has observed how strange it is that AI scientists have not yet tried to create an artificial brain in the same way other scientists have made artificial hearts, stomachs, and livers. Instead, AI researchers have created theoretical models of neuron patterns without their corresponding physics. It is as if instead of building airplanes, AI researchers are designing flight simulators that never leave the ground, Hales says. How might the recent science of spontaneous brain fluctuations change our way of thinking about AI? If this contemporary neuroscience is correct, AI cannot be a computer with input and output of binary information. Like the human brain, 95% of its activity would have to be quote-unquote nested spontaneous fluctuations akin to our unconscious, wandering, and dreaming minds. Goal-directed and instrumental behaviors would be a tiny fraction of its developed form. If we looked at its electroencephalogram, EEG, it would have to have similar quote-unquote signatures of consciousness to what Dehane has experimentally shown to be necessary. Why would we expect consciousness to exist independently of the signatures that define our own? Yet that is what AI research is doing. AI would also likely need to make use of the quantum and electrodynamic perturbations that scientists are presently filtering out. Spontaneous fluctuations come from the physical material of embedded consciousness. There is no such thing as matter-independent intelligence. Therefore, to have conscious intelligence, scientists would have to integrate AI in a material body that was sensitive and non-deterministically responsive to its anatomy and the world. Its intrinsic fluctuations would collide with those of the world like the diffracting ripples made by pebbles thrown in a pond. In this way, it could learn through experience like all other forms of intelligence without pre-programmed commands. If it's true that cognitive fluctuations are requisite for consciousness, it would also take time for stable frequencies to emerge and then synchronize with one another in resting states. And indeed, this is precisely what we see in children's brains when they develop higher and more nested neural frequencies over time. Thus, a general AI would probably not be brilliant in the beginning. Intelligence evolved through the mobility of organisms trying to synchronize their fluctuations with the world. It takes time to move through the world and learn to sync up with it. As the science fiction author Ted Chang writes, quote, experience is algorithmically incompressible, end quote. This is also why dreaming is so important. Experimental research confirms that dreams help consolidate memories and facilitate learning. Dreaming is also a state of exceptionally playful and freely associated cognitive fluctuations. If this is true, why should we expect human-level intelligence to emerge without dream? This is why newborns dream twice as much as adults if they dream during REM sleep. They have a lot to learn, as would androids. In my view, there will be no progress toward human-level AI until researchers stop trying to design computational slaves for capitalism and start taking the genuine source of intelligence seriously. Fluctuating electric sheep. Salon.com Um, yeah, that was a lot of really big science-y kind of stuff there. My brain is feeling kind of frazzled. I think some of my 
why spontaneous electromagnetic fluctuations must have quantum tunneled their way through the thinner barriers of my brain. So I'm going to cut this one short because I think I really need to go get my neural frequencies algorithmically synchronized with the outside world. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Friday, May 7, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.